0: Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears are no longer on a losing streak. They get off the schneid against the winless lions on thanksgiving day we've had a couple days to eat leftovers and eat turkey and pie and all that kind of stuff to kind of digest this game as well uh so how was the holidays and how was that game for you
1: the holiday was good i actually had thanksgiving on the on the friday so my my, my thanksgiving meal was actually chili cheese dogs it was pretty good actually that seems okay i'll take it football and chili cheese dogs all day by myself so it it was okay
0: yeah, so the Bears are able to stop this five game losing skid. And I one of the things that I was I, I mean, I'm not surprised about anything that happens in Bears fandom anymore, but the amount of just like anger at a win was very interesting. Twitter just Bears fans just so angry that they took a field goal. And I think like it, well the, They're winless Lions and they had to go down to the last second field goal. Well, okay, but it's the NFL. They're all professional football players. They uh took the Steelers to overtime and tied them. They um they lost on a last second field goal to the Ravens. Uh and they should a 65-yard field goal, right? Like the Lions should have should have been able to hold on to that game. They were in the game against the Browns. They were, you know, the Yes, they are a bad football team, but they are not that is just rolling over and dying, and the Bears did what a lot of these other teams have done against the Lions is they got drugged down, they played a tough game against them, and they escaped with the W. And so at the end of the day, in my opinion, a win is a win, and you just move on but a lot of people want style points. Where are you at with style points in football games in the NFL? It's all about the W. And then like
1: for me as a fan, I'm never going to cheer for my team to lose. If if they lose and the big picture, it's better for the big picture. I can appreciate that for sure. But the way I look at it is whether I actively want them to lose or not, it's not going to affect what happens on the field. So why would I put myself through wanting to see my favorite team lose a game and then, they, they, then let's say they win the game. Now, am I, am I mad because they won? Am I upset? It's just a weird thing for a fan. So I always cheer for the wins. And if, 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 if it's a loss, and like I said, the big picture means that, you know, Nagy's fired or the draft pick is better, I'm fine with it. But as far as style points, come on, it's football. It's, you know, there are plenty of games where, where, you, where, you're, you're, where the team you're cheering for, you know, wins when they shouldn't or they lose when they shouldn't. So who cares about style? Just get the W. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah, someone on Twitter today responded that they were lamenting uh, a couple of wins late last year that meant that we had to give up a bunch of draft capital to move up to get Justin Fields. And I said, the reality is that the Bears would have traded draft capital to move up to get Justin Fields, even if they were higher in last year's draft anyway, right? He slid to 11. If the Bears were sitting at 11 for that draft, they would have traded draft capital to get up to seven or six or something to get him. It was just, you know, an amazing set of circumstances that the Bears were able to get him at 11. But I don't think that you can play it like that. I think it's much easier to just say, this is my favorite team. If I'm going to sit down and watch this game, I'm going to cheer for them to win. If they lose and that somehow helps the Bears long term or whatever, then I can be comforted by that. But if I'm going to watch this game, I'm going to cheer for them to win. And I'm going to cheer for the young players. I'm going to cheer for, you know, there's always something to cheer for. I'm going to cheer for this record. I'm going to cheer for this guy to try to get to a thousand yards. Whatever it is, you find what you're cheering for. Uh, but to turn on the game and cheer for your favorite team to lose, eh, strange. that's not my bag.
1: Yeah, it's very strange. You know, uh, there was a lot of fire naggy chants going on, like all through Chicago. And then today, uh, uh, Bo Jack came out and said that, you know, don't, don't, boo us uh, don't chant fire naggy at, at the coach it's not good for the whole team and, and i i kind of agree with that because like i've never went to a game myself and like actively booed and jeered my, you know my team you know if, if they're doing something bad i don't like i just i just don't don't cheer i just sit there and i'll be i'll be pissed off to myself and, and maybe may, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll drop a few off bombs so that guy's next to me but i'm not gonna like like chant, you know, fire this guy or this guy sucks. Those that's that's my team. I I just can't do it myself myself. But everyone fans how they want to fan. So
0: yeah, it's it's an interesting perspective. I'm I'm not a, a booing guy of your own team. I'll boo the other team. I mean oh, I'm yeah? done with that. But Hackle, Jeer, yeah, trash I mean, talk. That, yeah. That's all part of the fun. But you know, I, I was at a Vikings game uh with my I got a buddy who's a Vikings fan and I went to a Vikings game. We went to see Vikings Saints a couple of years ago. I wanted to see Drew Brees. I ended up being able to see him in Minnesota. And then I got tickets down in the Superdome like the next week. Uh, it was a great, it was really cool to see Brees play. Um, and I was able to ch- get a chant going to uh, try to fire Zimmer. And uh, <laughs> I felt really That was really fun, but clearly I was a plant and my buddy was not happy with me. He was (laughs) pushing me like you gotta stop this, you gotta stop this. But but the whole section like got into it, like because they were very mad at him at the time. So um pretty funny. Were you wearing bears
1: gear at the time or what were you wearing? Saints gear? Um,
0: No, I uh, I wore neutral gear. I have a shirt from the Pro Football Hall of Fame that I got Uh, when I visited there a couple years ago. So I just wore my Canton. You're like uh, Rob Lowe wearing the NFL. Yeah, the NFL (laughs) is exactly what that was. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it was uh, it was worth it. It was fun. Um, Well, let's let's get into the categories for this game. So we start off every episode with the Trench Tribute. So one guy on the offensive or defensive line that we want to highlight so it is your turn to go first this week so who did you want to highlight
1: you know there are a few guys i kind of went with this week but i wanted to pick a guy that we haven't talked about in a few weeks that's angelo blackson you know i I rewatched the game and he seemed to be active he was in the mix on a lot of plays he only had one tackle and one quarterback hit but he was in in the lions backfield quite a bit he drew a hold And just his overall game, I think he's 29 years old and he signed a two-year deal, but he looks like, like, is this who he has been his whole career? Because if it is, it's kind of weird that he's, the Bears got him for for the deal they did. Because like I said, he has really good hands, really active, nice first step. He plays with power, a good pad level. He's a guy that, you know, he's going to be around for the Bears off two years now, but if Hicks is gone and I hope that doesn't happen, you know, I can see them just sliding him in there and just, you know, he won't be at that level. You know, but you know he'll be able to hold his own in there. And I think at Blackson I had I had a really nice game this
0: week. Yeah, Blackson's one of those guys that we, you know, we talked about it at camp. The new guy, not guy that I knew a lot about. And he's just, who's that guy? Oh, that oh, Evangel Blackson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he looks pretty good. There's High just motor, guys, yeah, yeah. You just like oh he oh he he, he sticks out like oh they, yep. this guy's going to be a guy that can get into the rotation. Yeah, I I, I notice he him flashing as well too. I, I wanted to talk about Robert Quinn again. I know we've talked about him a lot in this space, but I want to him up it. again. He, he, he deserves it without Mac, you know, and, and Hicks banged up. Quinn's really, you know, the best player on that defensive line, but he's also having an incredible season and recorded another sack. He had five tackles, including another tackle for loss. And so he's, he's doing it everywhere. He just got highlighted by Brandon Thorne in Brandon Thorne Substack. Um, if you're not following Brandon Thorne, he's he's obviously a, a good person to follow if you like offensive and defensive line. He does a lot of very interesting stuff, and he he speaks with knowledge of, about both lines. And he is now just he's got six games remaining, and he really has a legitimate chance to threaten Richard Dent's franchise record of 17 and a half sacks. Now. I mean, he's got to chase down Kyler Murray. He's got to, he's got to, you know, try to get to uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. Okay. Like maybe he's not going to find as much success against some of these better teams and that may not be throwing as much because they're salting away leads, but he has a legitimate chance at that record. And that is something that no one would have predicted coming into this year, given how, how bad he looked last year with that foot injury. So I, I, I think it's great. Like I, I, I love any kind of franchise record stuff. Bring it on! Like I, I'd love to have something to cheer for, and let's we'll see if Robert Quinn can can try to challenge Richard Dent's franchise record.
1: It's funny you look at you. You know, the, we played last year. Everyone talked about the money, but if he would have been done doing this last year, the money would not be an issue at all. And then, like, if he's doing this moving forward, I, that's that's like a bargain. Then, if you look at the money, I mean, that's. You know, yeah, he's 31 now, I believe. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be a drop off at some point, but he, he looks he looks really good right now.
0: One of the things that Brandon Thorne brings up is that you like to pair a speed rusher, which is what Quinn is, with a power rusher, which is what more Mac is. Mac can kind of do everything because he's sort of Superman, but he definitely is more of a power guy. And in, if you have a speed guy on one side and a power guy on the other, that they can create some interesting uh, you know, challenges for quarterbacks, because if they're both winning on their rush, it's, it's almost more guaranteed. It's much more guaranteed to get a sack because a quarterback doesn't have anywhere to go. He can't f- run out of the pocket because the speed guys, you know, coming around the, the back and he can't step up in the pocket. Cause that's that power guys coming in and, and hitting him, um, at, you know, at that depth. And so, you know, <laughs> Ryan Pace takes a lot of crap and deservedly so for how he's managed capital, how he's managed a lot of uh, things with the quarterback position, you know, everything. And I've been leading the Ryan Pace charge for a very long time, but when they, he, they signed Robert Quinn, I was pretty excited because yeah. I understood, I, I could see a plan. And when, when I can see a plan, even if I don't always agree with the plan, this one I thought was a good plan, but like, like, Oh, this is exciting. I, there's a plan here. This makes sense. Cause it's, It's fitting with a piece that you already have. It's protecting your your best asset by creating something that, you know, you're going to build a strength on. And, And so you can kind of see now what Ryan Pace was trying to do when he brought Robert Quinn in here.
1: There are other issues with that defense, but the pass rush right now is not one of them. That's even with Mac out. So it's, it's a, it's a good problem to have, I guess, for the bears to have a guy that's, you know, making pretty good money, but he's still highly productive.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Let's move on to the tweets. So, uh, what on the the hellscape of Twitter caught your eye after this Bears win?
1: So, it's actually a couple of days after that, but with this this week actually opens up the uh, this is the, the the third week for the Tevin Jenkins practice window. So, oh, the, Bears, okay. the Bears have to make a decision uh, at the end of this week's practice: are they going to activate him from IR, and if not, then he goes to IR for the rest of the season. So, I, I got a feeling they're going to they are going to he is going to play. Um, he looks pretty good in, the, in those clips they're showing on uh, whether it's the hill or, or at the field, you know, he looks like he's pretty close to being back. So I think he's back. So, so I, I, I had a tweet about that and then at bears Twitter, and then the, it's Twitter with the TW, the number one Twitter. So that's kind of, that's kind of how this guy got that, but that's a cool, cool handle at bears. Twitter <laughs> said, if, if he starts I meaning Jackman, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do with the rest of the line, move Cody back to center. Peters to left guard or just kind of ease Jenkins in and let Peters take over after a few snaps. And I know we've talked a little, a little bit before, you know, there is one weak link on the, on the line. And that's probably Sam must for at center. And, and I do, I do think Sam played a pretty good game against the lions, but the lions do not have a very good defensive line. They don't have a big hulking nose tackle that he has to deal with. So if the bears do look at the entire line and, and what they've done and you know through the whole Met era is they want to start their best five no matter no matter who it is how it is they work to get their best five in and if that's the case and if Jenkins is healthy you got to feel he's part of the best five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So does does Mustafa go to the bench and do you put Cody at center? Do you put Daniels at center? What would you do?
0: I would like to see what Daniels has at yes. center. Yes. Yeah. That's what I would like to do. The problem is you put two rookies on the right side. And I could see them having some issues with that. So that's my only concern. Um, I think ideally, I would like to see Daniels audition for center to see if you already have that in house um, because you're going to have to address the center position next year. Uh, white hair, you know, he can do it. And I think that's probably the more safe bet for them that they think that they can just kind of slide him down. But he's obviously not had a very good year either. I'm curious if we're going to learn after the season if he's battling an injury himself yeah. or something because he just has not looked he, he, he he's fallen off his play has fallen off and and so it will be interesting to see if anything comes of that but I would prefer to slide Daniels down but I can understand it if they want to kind of separate the rookies so they have veterans between them
1: yeah with Jenkins he's been working at left and right tackle so far the last couple of weeks you know I think they can, they're confident in Larry Borum at right tackle you know, but again, if if you got to play Jenkins, you know he was your your second draft pick. You know he's the guy you got to you know do something to accommodate. So if you are going to move someone, you know maybe you do kick Borum inside, or maybe or maybe maybe Peters, who's a veteran who did play guard last year in Philly, you know before they had their injuries and forced him to go back to left tackle. So at his age, you know he was ready to play guard last year. So maybe at this point in his career, he'll play guard. So it's definitely a nice problem to have. The Bears' O line getting healthier. Uh, The pass pro this last week was better than it has been. So maybe they're starting to gel. And if that's the case, do you want to make any move at all? It's just weird.
0: That's the other thing is, do you want to actually make a move? Or do you want to say, it's a red shirt here. You're here unless we have to. Put you in because somebody gets hurt down the down the home stretch. But yeah, it is interesting. It's an interesting little nugget here for the last six weeks to see what'll happen because we all want to see what he looks like if he's healthy and ready and mentally there and all that kind of stuff. And I want to push him if he's not physically or mentally ready, but we all want to see what he looks like. But what's a few games of of reps at a position that he's not going to play next year? What is, you know, are you going to throw Once, him out at left? Yeah. Right. I mean, what, what is it going to happen? So uh, it, that is a interesting closing storyline for this 2021 season. So uh, my tweet is from uh, ran San I'm sorry if I am mispronouncing names um, at old Bankar. He says, I'm not as obsessed with the head coach play caller with young quarterback model as others. Bears have done it twice recently. Hasn't worked when it works. is It's great, but it often doesn't. We forget too soon about the Dirk Cotters of the world. Note <laughs> that best two Bears coaches in the last forty years were a special teams wide receivers coach and a defensive coordinator in terms of their background. So I brought this up because right now everybody has obviously fired Matt Nagy in their head and they're yeah. already looking for Matt Nagy's replacement on what is out there. And the most popular, um, the most popular selection from for the majority of fans. Um, are these offensive coordinators to bring in and work with, with uh, Justin Fields. And so that is, that is a model that I think most people feel comfortable with making. And, and, and Rahm's making the statement that that's not, that hasn't worked for the Bears in the past. And so maybe you try something different. And I, I'm sort of of the mind that it's still the best option um, to, to, to bring in an offensive mind. To make sure that you're building around just the fields, but that there are other options, right? The, you know, the chargers brought in Brandon Staley um, and he recruited somebody, uh, Joel Lombardi to, to, co- to coach Justin Herbert, who's a young quarterback, you know, entering his second year. So, so it's not like that's the only model that's out there, but it is the model that we are sort of hyper focused on in, in, a, in a lot of ways in the bears Twitter circles or in the bears article circles is focusing on that offensive mind, but wanted to kind of get your take on that as well.
1: You know, of, of all the young, the young OC guys, there's a lot out there, but it's hard to know. It's hard to know if these guys have what it takes to be the leader of, of an entire organization. That's, that's what you are. You're the face of the franchise. You know, you're the voice, you know, it's, it's, it's your show. So it's hard to know if they're going to make that jump. So if you look at guys that, that maybe have a different kind of background, you know, you look at a guy like Todd Bowles, who, who was a head coach with the Jets for a few years. He had some success. And then, you know, that was at the, when he was there, it was just kind of a uh, kind of a train wreck franchise. and Kind of that's how it went. And I think he's one of these guys that could probably get a second chance and will, th- will be have more success the second time through. I know Bill Belichick did it. You know, he was a Browns coach way back when, of course, everyone thought he was a bust. His next gig, of course, he get, does get Tom Brady. But now we're seeing this year, hey, this guy can coach. You know, it wasn't just Brady. He's, he's, he's pretty good, too. So, you know, if you look at a guy that has done it like that, and then a guy like Dave Tobe also, it's, it's really weird to me how he's always passed over. When he's always a guy that's mentioned. You know, people that are in the know, the insiders, they all, they all rave about him. But he either doesn't get enough interviews or, I mean, obviously he's always passed over. You know, but you hear about the special teams coaches, and th- there's a guy that worked with the entire locker room. You know, so, you know, w- when you look at a guy that has the respect of the whole team, it's often to not going to be this guy who does special teams. And Tobes, a guy that, you know, I can't see the bears doing it. I just don't think they'll do something like that, but I would not be mad if they went after a guy like Tobe.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It just, the, the first question is what are you going to do to develop Justin Fields? Yep. Right. That, that has to be the first what's question the that Yep. anybody asks, what's your plan? And if you, he, he sells you on the plan, then that's I, I can respect it because if you're looking for that leader and you feel like that's the way that you're gonna do it, and you like that mentality. I mean, John Harbaugh is a heck of a coach, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 so he came from that special teams background, that's why I bring him up. And so that that's that's not a bad model. It just doesn't happen that often. And you know, we can debate how good of a coach. Mike Dicka was for the Bears you know relative to the talent level that he was given <laughs> with the Jim Fink drafts. but you know that that's another podcast for another time but um, it is it is interesting it will be obviously the dominant storyline of of what we're going to be talking about in the off season is which direction they're going to go and that story is going to be very important for offseason content and fodder and we will you know make a lot out of the choice that's made but um, right now it is worth just noting that there are more than just the hot offensive coordinators that we need to consider for for this, for this gig. So uh, let's move on to stats. What number did you pull for the, the, the caught up in a numbers game, the stat week?
1: The number that kind of caught my eye this week was, was 69. And it okay. was because it was because the, the bears had two scoring drives of 69 yards. The first one was in the second quarter. which just took two plays. Uh, it was the, uh, the big, the big Dalton and Mooney, a 52 yard uh, pass play followed up by the Jimmy Graham touchdown uh, 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 down the seam for 17 yards, 69 yards, two plays. And then in the fourth quarter, it was actually the, the longest drive, which was 18 plays in the last eight years, according to the Fox broadcast. Holy and,
0: moly! And okay. that takes
1: us back to the Mark Tressman era. It's the last time the bears had a drive, a touchdown drive that went at least 18 plays. Uh, so fourth quarter, they, they, they iced away eight minutes and 30 seconds of the clock. So that was a great drive uh, by Andy Dalton, engineered that drive. Obviously, there were some nice plays in that drive that he made with his feet, with his arm. Um, obviously, the the, the, the uh, Demo did some stuff on the ground as well. So it's just an interesting way to look at two different drives, Dalton going downfield with one, and the second one more of a dink and dunk. But it was uh, nice to see the full package from Andy Dalton.
0: Yeah. And and a nice stat for the week. Excellent. Very (laughs) nice. All right. Mine is uh, the number 17. So that's the number of 1000 yard receiving seasons in Chicago Bears franchise history.
1: Oh my God. That's terrible.
0: (laughs) It's a very sad number. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely true. And what's even crazier is you think, oh 17 years they had well, actually they doubled up a couple times. It's actually not even 17 seasons. It's like the there were a couple times they had 2,000 yard receivers. Anyway,
1: I bet if I think about it, we can name them all. I know there's 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 Jeffrey, a couple. Yeah, Brandon Marshall had well a couple. it's n-
0: yeah, yep. Okay. Jeffrey uh, Marshall, Har- Harlan Hill, Harlan Hill Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh yeah.
1: Jeff Graham, Wendell. I don't Davis. think Kavanaugh
0: ever had one.
1: Oh, that's he never a little had early. One. Uh damn it. Okay. Yeah, that's in that's, the 40s. Oh man. Uh, who else? So who Graham else and in? Conway. Conway uh, got one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and Marcus Robinson.
1: Marcus. Oh, the 1,400 yards. Yeah.
0: And then Allen Robinson.
1: Allen Robinson, of course. And that's a terrible right. set. 17. Like if, if yeah. I would have guessed, I, I would have guessed much higher. Right. But then when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, I can't think of all those guys.
0: It's, it's tough. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to them... go to
1: pro football focus now. I'm going to, or pro football reference to so check those out. I, I, I Booker... want to see
0: those. Booker Booker. has a couple. All right. So Darnell Mooney, (laughs) that's where this is going. Darnell Mooney with his back-to-back 100-yard games is now in a position to make it 18. So he has 694 yards on the season. So if he can stay healthy, uh, he should be able to clear that mark without too much issue here. it's only a little over 300 yards with the last six games. So Darnell Mooney is now on pace for a 1,000-yard receiving season, which is incredibly rare for this, this franchise. So that is another thing to cheer for. There's always something, you know, as, oh, as yeah. a
1: Bears fan, we can always find something to cheer for as a, as a, as a fan. So that's good.
0: Yeah. The, these are blue moon statistics here. Yeah, I mean, it just crazy. does not happen very often. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's take a quick break. And on the other side of this, we'll do everybody's favorite segment, the three Bears.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have All All
0: right, Lester, we're back. So let's talk about the three bears. So Hot Bowl of Porridge, who did you want to single out as having a particularly good game in this amazing 16 to, to 14 win?
1: You talked to him on, on, on the top of the show, but that's Robert Quinn. Uh, five tackles, another sack, another tackle for loss. I believe he is, I think, third in the league in sacks. I believe he is sixth or seventh in the league in tackles for loss. Uh, so, and then the way those stat works, you know, tackle for loss is not a sack. Right. A, a quarterback hit is a sack. I don't understand some of the rules that the NFL has for their stats, but, but I, I think those all should be completely separate stats myself, but. It is what it is, but but he, he's doing it all. He's doing it against the run, doing it against the pass. You know, he is just. He again, he plays with a high motor, and it's it's just. It again, it shows you what uh, what last year was was such was such the, the outlier. That, that's not who he is, and you know you can sense his his frustration the whole season. You sense it during the beginning of of, of training camp because he was hurt a little bit into camp too, and then uh, now that he's playing really good for the Bears. You see, he also has a frustration when the Bears were were, were, were getting beat by uh, a bunch of points, in uh, five straight games. So his frustration poured out there as well. So he's a really passionate guy. Uh, he wants to do well, and you know he, he may not get the uh, his his career best. I think it's 19 sacks, uh, but who knows? I mean, he's he's he might get it with the with the 17th uh, game on the schedule. Robert Quinn could push for that record, and then or at least the very least, like you said, he'll push for dense record.
0: Yeah, which is just really cool and fascinating, and, and I'm all for it. It'd be nice if he could – I thought he could stack a couple against the Lions, then he, yeah. would really, he would really be talking. He did get the one, which is great, but, you know, it'd be nice if he could get one of those multi-sack games again here just to give himself a legitimate shot. But, um, you know, again, storylines to look for in the last stretch of the season. That's what I'm all about. So, you know, watching that. Um, I wanted to highlight Jalen Johnson. Nice. Uh, I thought he played excellent football once again. I know the degree of difficulty against the Lions wide receivers is uh, pretty low. I don't. You can't get much lower than the Lions wide receivers. But is this more of a body of work for me? But I th- he just stood out again. Excellent play. He had a forced fumble, um, and it just that he just looked locked down in coverage. And for the most part, he's been really good this year. One of the best corners of the league. I don't know if he's going to get recognized for it because the Bears defense isn't very good overall and the Bears team isn't very good overall and so generally that sort of stuff falls by the wayside those those postseason honors fall by the wayside, but he is really good he's a young player, this is a guy that you can build around, Um, so I wanted to highlight Jalen tonight.
1: I think Jalen Johnson needs a few more interceptions because that's one of those pro bowl all pro things you know it's it's one of those positions where that you need the numbers you know he he could have a really good pass rate pass rating against that's not really a stat that people really look at when they vote so he needs some more picks and if he gets that i think he he will get recognized
0: yeah absolutely flipping around who did you want to highlight as having a cold bowl of porridge
1: it wasn't necessarily the bears game but but Elijah Wilkinson for the third time this year was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, oh. the, the first two were due to a close contact. Uh, this time it was reported from CBS Sports that he had a positive test and, you know, with, with Jenkins activated, uh, Jermaine Effetti could be activated soon. You know, he's, he's on IR now with the knee injury, but they just said it wasn't season ending. So, you know, Elijah Wilkinson may be doing some stuff here. Again, it may not be his fault but he may be doing some stuff here to get himself pushed off the roster. What, what's the little quote uh, availability? Uh, the, the, the most, what's it, the most important thing is availability.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and if he's, if he's on the list again, if he can't play this week, at some point, you got to look at your, at your, 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 your room for the old line there and say, well, whoop is not doing enough for us. Jenkins is back. If Eddie's back soon, hit the bricks hit the bricks
0: pal uh there's a great series on youtube of herm edwards talking to the rookie symposium years and years ago i don't know when it came out Um, i've watched it a number of times because it's got a lot of good just life lessons and and you know just if you if you have a full time job if you're working a career you should watch that youtube series you know it's like it's a it's one video and they cut it up into like multiple parts like three or four parts and he, and that says like, are you coachable? Are you available? Right. Like that, yeah. that's what he says all the time. If you're in the training room, you're not, you're not available. You know, it, it, and, and he says, that's, you know, incredibly important. So showing up, you know, it, it translates all into whatever job that you have. Um, I would encourage you to go out and, and seek that uh, particular uh, YouTube clip because it's, it's it, I, I don't know, I've gotten a lot out of it and Herm does a really good job there, but he mentions that. Um, For my cold bowl of porridge, I wanted to talk about David Montgomery and the running game because coming into this, I thought should have some success. 17 carries for 46 yards is a 2.7 yard average. That is not very good. Uh, Khalil Herbert, four carries for nine yards. That is also not very good. Uh, Just nothing happening in this running game. We talked about how on, on Bears over Beers, for the preview, we talked about how the Lions had some good defensive linemen, um, but you know the, there's just no excuse for 2.7 yards per carry. And so the, this running game really needs to get stuff figured out down the stretch here if they want to have a chance in any of these games, because they're going to play much better defenses overall. Um, and and having the ability to keep your defense fresh um, starts with with being able to run the ball. And so I was really disappointed in what Montgomery was able to put up in this one.
1: You know, Part of it was the Lions really tried to take away the run game, but, but also I think that this game kind of lended itself to do a more outside zone, which is where Khalil Herbert shines a little more. And, and I almost put Herbert as my cold bowl of porridge this week, not because of him, but because of his, his, his lack of touches. You know, he's, he had a, a lot of success, you know, as, 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 the, as, the, as the fill-in for Montgomery. And then since Montgomery's been back, and of course Montgomery is a better player overall. He's better in pass pro, which is key for a, for that position, you know. But Herbert's touches have gone way down. So, you know, I'm like you. I was I was hoping the run game would have done more, and you know, maybe that's partly why why Dalton was able to push the ball downfield because they were packing stuff inside trying to stop it. But again, he only scored 16 points. Yeah, right. So it's like man,
0: it's like what the hell is the offense doing? So weird. The Lions defense got what they wanted. It is one of those like. They only they they held the team to under twenty points. Yeah, like this was one of those things where you know the Bears have lost these games and the defense holds the opposing team to you know seventeen points and it's like it's not the defense's fault. They did their job in modern NFL. You're if you're keeping the opponent to less than twenty. I mean, geez. But all right, let's move on to the last bowl of porridge, the one that's just right. Who did you want to highlight for that?
1: For me, I'm going wide receiver, Damir Bird. He, he had four catches, 41 yards. Uh, he picked up some of the slack when uh, Marquise Goodwin got injured. He, he, he had, like, I think, 60 catches last year for the Patriots, and it was high volume because the Patriots' offensive, their offense was bad last year. The receivers were bad last year, so he was force-fed the ball a lot. But I thought he would bring more, more to the offense for Chicago this year. He's, he's a legit 4-3 four, uh, four, speed guy. So four catches, 41 yards. You're thinking that's not that big a deal, but for him – I think that's right where he should be. He's the number three receiver. If you can put those type of numbers up each week and stretch the defense a little bit, you know, make, make some nice catches on, on, on a, uh, to keep the chains moving. That's what you want on a guy like that. And I think uh, Demir Bird should have a nice finish to the season, whether it's Dalton or Fields at uh, at quarterback. Rest of the way
0: yeah who knows with what alan robinson and all that stuff's going on how much he's going to play yeah. down the stretch here but uh yeah if if he doesn't then bird will get a little more play or if good one's out then he'll get more play um i actually went with the other end of that i went with andy dalton as the just right and people are oh you had a good game it, it, no he really didn't he was 24 for 39 317 yards One touchdown, one interception. That comes out to an 85 quarterback rating. It was a red zone pick too. Fine. Yes, red zone pick. That's fine for a veteran backup quarterback that comes in and makes a spot start against one of the worst defenses in the league. It's fine. He did what he had to do to win the game. And so I'm giving him credit for that. He got over 300 yards. I'm giving him credit for that. This was not a good game. This was a fine game. It was just fine from Andy Dalton. That's what you'd expect a guy to be able to come in and do. So I'm just highlighting it as it was fine. That'll do. That'll do, Andy. That'll you got do. the win.
1: You know he, he is. This is who he is. I mean, this is the right. kind of this is the kind of play you expect from him. He he's he's smart with the ball. He's efficient. Smart for the most part. He's smart. The, the interception was just bad. It was a bad decision in his, his part. You know, if he had a bit more, a bit more loft on it, would have been a touchdown. You know, but in that point of the game, he probably you know should have just not thrown it there. Uh, He's he's quick enough to get some yards with his feet. He he can move around the pocket. He was only sacked once. I thought he helped the pass pro quite a bit by getting the ball out quick by moving a little bit to the side. So it's funny if 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 you watch Twitter and like during the game, I like to kind uh, kind of have my eye on Twitter the first part of the game, people are taking victory laps. Oh, Andy Dalton sucks. I told you guys. And then as the game starts going on, he starts heating up a little bit. And then the other guys come out. Oh, Andy Dalton's great. I told you guys. It was just weird how one game you get both the pro and the the guys that hate him. They're both there going at it. It's like, this is who he is. He's, he's average. He's okay. Just wait a while. If he's good now, give it a minute. If he sucks now, (laughs)
0: give it a minute. So this is who he is. like weather in the Midwest, right? Yeah, exactly. If you don't like it, just wait a few minutes. Well, let's let's end with the Fields report, which, you know, it's not a Fields report because uh, he didn't play. But I wanted to bring up a different report that involved Justin Fields this last week. And that is that there was a report, a rumor or something that came out that George McCaskey made the call to Matt Nagy that said you will start Justin Fields and I think that you and I had the you know okay like let's take this with a giant mountain of salt like we don't have any real evidence to suggest that this is this is what happened and there's a lot of interesting maneuvering that's going on in the last week with with Nagy and people in the front office and random reporters that never have any Bears news that had some (laughs) Bears news. And, you know, so you don't really know exactly what the motivations are of these people that are coming out and saying these things and, you know, sources behind the scenes. But um, I wanted to get your reaction to that idea of ownership coming in and making a call like that. um, And what your reaction was when you first read it.
1: When I first read it, I mean, it came from a guy who's usually pretty good with some of the source stuff. That was Hub, right? I believe it was Hub Arkish. And he had, he usually has some pretty decent – some of his football takes are out there. Right. But as far as the stuff he gets that he claims are sourced information, it's usually pretty solid. So, again, when it comes to these guys that get sources, I'm not saying that they're making things up. That, that, this doesn't seem like Hub's the guy that makes the up. I'm sure someone told him this, that he trusts within House Hall. It could have been a board member. You know, who knows who it was, but I'm sure he got some information he felt was good information. He passed it along. But for me, if that's the case, if your owner is making football on the field in the season decisions, that's terrible. I have thought George McCaskey is a boob from the start because he doesn't know what he's doing. And if he's really making those types of decisions, if he decided to bring back Pace and Nagy and now he's going he's to tell them how to do their job, then he, he's basically admitting I screwed up. I shouldn't have brought back Pace and that.
0: Yeah. I, my response on Twitter, I, I said, basically my response, which I know is not the most reasoned, is that scene from dumb and dumber where uh, the uh, Jim Carrey's character uh, sells the, the shagging wagon for like the, the moped. And, and uh, Jeff Daniels says, just when I thought you could be any dumber. You do something like this and totally redeem redeem yourself yourself. (laughs) (laughs) because I was like, well, that's the right call. Like the right call is to play Justin Fields. And so I I didn't really give any, I have no idea if it's true. I don't, maybe George McCaskey believes that's true, right? Like maybe he said no you guys got to be playing fields and nagy's like yeah, yeah yeah we're going to but he's not ready yet and then there was the injury and then it just sort of happened like there's a lot of things that that could have been happening behind the scenes and maybe mccaskey believes it or he was telling people like hey that you know i'm i'm gonna i put told my foot them down. to start i you know whatever it is you don't know exactly what the sourcing is mccaskey might believe that that's what happened uh, but You know, my reaction was that was the right move. So like, whatever, but generally we don't really want the owners meddling in team affairs. That's, that's why you hire these guys. And like you said, you brought these guys back, you brought these guys back and you, you supposedly push them to say like, go get the quarterback position figured out. And they do that. And you kind of have to trust them to make those calls even if you don't agree with it you're 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 gonna have to try to trust the process or whatever um but i (laughs) i don't know i thought it was funny um to to just kind of think about this you know george mccaskey thinking that he's making this this grand decision or is he just trying to look better in the the eyes of fans and it backfires because i you know like he's he's hearing everything that oh we want to see fields Hey, by the way, that was me. And the people like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Why not? So I don't Whoops. know. I just, I thought the whole thing was pretty interesting.
1: You know, it's funny. Cause like I was always one of the guys that wasn't ready to see fields from day one. I wanted to see fields once he understood the pass protection. And I don't think he was quite ready to go against the Rams the first week. And then we saw when he was forced to start, he was taking some sacks. He shouldn't have took. And, you know, I think I had him down for six sacks. Uh, that he was responsible for. That was up to the Packers game, but the Packers game on, I think there were two games there. He, all the sacks he took, none were on him. So was that him learning on the job? Was that him getting better? Is that maybe an instance where if he would have had some more time to sit and, and, and learn and understand the process of pass pro, you know, through through being the practice squad quarterback, which, which, which is where he was doing all, all his work in practice, you know, maybe he would have been better at that once the game started. So, I, I think everything worked out for the best for the Bears, obviously. Uh, the injury was unfortunate for Dalton, but I think he was going to start, start getting in there more anyway against uh, the Bengals. Um, I don't think they wanted to play against the Browns because that, that pass rush is ferocious. Uh, like like we've talked about, it was going to be either week four, week five, somewhere around there. When everyone thought that it would be Justin Fields' time. It just happened a little sooner. And, you know, now the Cardinals are coming up on Sunday. If the crack ribs are healed, Nagy said they're going back to fields. But you know, I I don't want to see him go out there if there's any pain at all. You know, if the crack ribs aren't completely completely healed, you got to let him sit one more week.
0: Especially with Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, that 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 pass rush. That's by the way, um, on the bye week, uh, the the Cardinals did not play this week and rested. They are well-rested and the next opponent, the Green Bay Packers, they're on a bye week this week coming up. And so they will be well-rested well for the Bears. And those are the two teams that are fighting it out for the number one seed in the NFC. So nice schedule makers did a really nice job of uh, really giving the Bears a, a an easy schedule this year. Um, I know most of it's all predetermined, but even like there are some things that, that do impact um, just how, you know, good teams are and, and what spots and whatever. So, that's all we have we will get out of here i've got an article coming out tomorrow about extending my quarterback rating passer rating uh statistical look and of course we'll have bears over beers at the end of the week uh we will have bill zimmerman on his show um robert will come to you after the game with bear with me you'll have t formation conversation coming out late in the week so that's the podcast channel anything else going on at the website uh,
1: you know, sack watch. Uh, I think there's a few other things. I know, I know Josh uh, Sunderbruch has something to work on now about the defensive efficiency. Uh, I think that's going to come up probably tomorrow at some point. So, you know, we got some cool stuff with analytics, some cool stuff with some play breakdowns, you know, we got everything. So it's all, it's all at WCG we have it. We, we kind of hit the all fields here.
0: One stop shop. So make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. If you aren't already like, subscribe, comment, all that fun stuff that helps us out. And until next week, we got six of these left, man. Let's find some stuff to cheer for. Uh, we'll see you next week, and bear down.